The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Mortgage CS. Become a Mortgage CS Ricky VIP by going to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Go to statesidevodka.com. On the show today, the Sixers with a encouraging victory over the Charlotte Hornets, a sort of puzzling, maddening, but relieving victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers, now sit tied with the Milwaukee Bucks, though they lose the tiebreaker for the third seed. And depending on the how the Raptors game winds up, they will either be three ahead of the Raptors for the fifth or only two ahead of the Raptors for the fifth. What a... Boy, it was supposed to be an easy final week. It's not going to be. So uh, as well, Ben Simmons is uh, filing his $20 million grievance against the Sixers, the return of a very important relationship advice segment that we got a very important email that we do in relationship advice. So we'll do that. And we will get Mike's pick for the national championship game. Before we get going, I got a text message from uh, one of... uh, Ange and uh, when Ange's friend, Mike Kaplan, you remember Mike, you know, Mike, right? Mm-hmm. He was at the Sixers game and he asked me, he was like, Hey, if we go to stateside, can we still trade in after the game uh, yesterday? Can we still trade in our Ben Simmons jerseys for a $25 stateside gift card? The answer was no, but I said, go anyway, because they have great drinks over there. You got your stateside vodka, your state, your surfside vodka tea, your stateside vodka sodas, uh, just whatever, whatever you need, the vodka tea, the surfside. Love it. Just pretty sure I told him sweet. yes. What's that? I was like, I was. I think I told him probably. Oh, <laughs> so come to me for wrong information. Uh, the vodka tea, just a hundred calories, lightly sweet, no carbonation because there's no carbonation in iced tea. You got to be 21 to drink it. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is relieved because he knows at least Joel Embiid is used to doing everything himself. That is one, Mike Levin. At least he's had practice, right? He's very good. <laughs> he's very good. I mean, we are, we're at a place, you know, we've been doing this for a while with Embiid and health, health-wise, knock on everything. Mm-hmm. But we're just, at this point, used to him just tossing up 40 and 10s. Well, 44 and 17 or something tonight with five blocks. Just easy as hell. I mean, the, the blocks are interesting. It did seem like yeah. he was really Making uh, intent on protecting the rim, yeah. um, which was great. And Not everyone can per- do that. He was persistent. I thought it was, you know, I, th- I think over the last couple months, even with Harden, the Sixers just aren't aren't necessarily like, they're physical, but they're not, physical and athletic and fast. Um, their motors are, are kind of light. I would say Maxi has one, but like Niang has one, but he's just not, he's not that gifted physically. Tobias is intentionally slow a lot of the time. Harden is Harden. Matisse is not the most physical guy. There's a bunch of guys, that Shake, Korkmaz, Danny. There's just not, they're not a ton of dogs on this team. No. And so I think you look at, a, you know, I think Moses Brown, who's just like, a very tall guy that tries hard, um, which is mostly what you need as a center. But he like set the tone early on, trying to like get after balls. And I think Embiid was like, "Well, I'm not gonna let this fucking scrub, uh, who's actually pretty decent, um, outwork me." And it was cool to see Embiid just like take it upon himself to be like not that anymore. And so it's gonna come from him. 
And hopefully, you know, even though the team looks intermittently decent, good to sometimes frustrating, blah, blah, blah. I'm hoping that they can carry that level of intensity in the playoffs because when they're at their peak, they're excellent, but they can get, you know, outworked and just out hustled a lot of time, which is, which is frustrating for a team that's talented. Well, it, it is a little maddening that at this point of the year, you're playing, you know, if, you know, one thing is they're, they're just in a situation uh, standings wise where every game is now sort of important, especially if you, you definitely don't want to fall into the bottom half of the conference because then you're losing home court um, in, in, you know, every, possibly every matchup you play. But Sixers have, are the, the best road team in the Eastern Conference, though, I will say. They have the best road record, but they also have a terrible home record comparatively to what they're used to as well. So there you go. Yeah. Do you want? <laughs> where do you want to start? Well, I, I guess my, my, my point being having Harden and Embiid play this many minutes on the second night of a back-to-back and having Embiid, you know, land funny a couple of times also is, is not optimal. What I, I just... He's just not going to be able to do everything himself. And he can do he can do a lot of things. And he was so fucking good tonight. He's been great a lot of times this year. But that activity defensively was just something that it does. I don't want to talk about the MVP thing, but separates him from Jokic and that Jokic is not capable of doing that on defense. And Embiid totally. is just a fucking world beater when he wants to be on defense. And uh, but but what but the hardened trade, what it was supposed to do that the place and and when Maxi is going, what we had hoped to be is that every offensive possession also doesn't have to run through Embiid because that will be too much for him to do sure. both. You know, so it was an amazing game. But I like the the Harden. Here's what Harden kind of reminds me of because you look at his numbers at the end of the game and they're it's like oh he's got a triple double and yada yada yada. It's sort of like a baseball player where he's hitting 232. But you look at his on base and you're like, oh, he's walking all the time. So his 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 numbers end up being pretty good. But when it comes to when it's in the ninth inning and there's two men on and there's two outs and the guy's up, you, you can't have a guy looking for a, a walk, right? Like you need somebody who's gonna get hits. And my my concern I mean, is I would that, take I would take a walk, but okay. You, you know what I'm saying. I'm very pro walk, so yeah, but that's fine. Right. You, <laughs> not surprising. Yeah. My the point being that it's just like game after game after game. I just I have little faith that in a, a it, it seems like when teams are actually playing defense on him, there's very little fear. They get right up on him. He did take advantage of that one marketing. Uh, mismatch toward the end of the game, but even Markinen didn't look worried at all. I just worry that he's going to be able to get big buckets when it counts. And I, I would just like to see Maxi in the last six games just give him the ball in positions like that and let him try to do it because I feel like he's going to have to do it in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I obviously agree. I think that there were times when Harden did beat his man off the dribble tonight. Uh, a lot of times on switches, a lot of times it was methodical, but. I don't think he needs to shoot that much. Like, I don't think that we are desperate for him to do it. I think you'd rather have him be the kind of distributor um, that this team hadn't had all season long uh, because he does set guys up so well. And teams still, even if he's, you know, if his shot is off or whatever, teams still do take him seriously, whether he's driving or something. He does command the attention of a defense, and he's a great passer, one of the best of all time, so he can find them, those guys. Um, it didn't seem like this was a, this was a force-it kind of game. I think that... I totally agree with you that I would love for Maxi to not just in the last couple of games, but in the playoffs, like be the guy to be like, we need to get this. We need to get a bucket. We need to get some downhill going to the rim kind of thing. Because like the frustrating thing with Harden and everybody, every fan base that has rooted for Harden and every, everybody watching it knows like he's not always going to get those calls. He's just not always going to do it. And he's, as much as he wants to get those calls in the regular season and the, in the guts of the game and in the playoffs, like there's not going to be consistency from that. And so there's sometimes that he will, but a lot of times he's not. And we just can't have him like holding his arms up to the ref late in games when he's just like kind of doesn't have the speed to get by people anymore. Um, he's just such a grifter. Like it's unbelievable the level of grifting that he does <laughs> on the court all everywhere. Even that like to get free of marketing at the end on the inbounds, like, He's hooking them, like he's grabbing them and stuff and throwing them. It's like, man, 
It's a good thing refs are so fucking dumb sometimes because I think the refs are really <laughs> dumb at our expense a lot, but with Harden, they're, they're dumb, I think, in, in the other way. Um, but I agree. I mean, I think, you know, he played 40 minutes tonight because Maxi was in foul trouble in the first half. That's, I think, rough. But he also did, like, they survived those, you know, DeAndre at the beginning of this in the first half was, was a nightmare, but I think Harden took it upon himself to survive those non-embeat minutes early in the for- fourth quarter because Harden kept setting up DeAndre because he kept like finding decent looks for people hit the step back a couple times. I think that the team, we, this is like a longer running conversation that you and I have had since Harden got here. And since he's looked, you know, occasionally good, occasionally past his prime, but like, he's not the guy he used to be. He's just, he's just not, he's not as good of a shooter as he used to be. He's not as healthy. He doesn't have the burst. Um, Teams know how to scheme for him more. They don't bite on the stuff that they used to, all that stuff. They're not as terrified of him, which is like that fear throughout the whole game opens up other things. It's just not, he's not that guy anymore. Fine. Hopefully we'll see some more of that in the playoffs. But I think the team is good enough because of how good Embiid is, because of how good Maxi is, because of how good Tobias looks, even though he missed shots today, he's like, get him off quick. He's making quick decisions. I like seeing it. I, I think they're really utilizing Matisse nicely in like duck-in ways to get easy easy looks out of it. Because Embiid, even though he uh, rim rolls sometimes, he's still not like naturally elite at it. It's not what he is predisposed to do. So having Matisse like cut in through the defense is nice. is nice to have a safety valve for. But like, I, I just don't think we necessarily need it. I think that they can get by if they push in transition, which they need to do more of. They did some of tonight and then they like they slow it down. If they do enough stuff, enough of that stuff and then allow Maxi to like cook a little bit and Harden can just be like a quarterback, um, just like sniping here and there. I, I think that this team can go far and they have been pretty as much as it's been, it's been like a weird thing because it's been frustrating with Harden, I think, but also like they've been pretty good. I'm like, I'm, I'm not concerned, still not, don't give a fuck about the regular season, whatever. Um, he does look a little slow, obviously. But like, I see the pieces coming together for this team, especially with how Tobias looks as that like third or fourth option where you don't need anybody to, they're not like drowning anywhere. And there could be enough just like stability and consistency where if they play, if they hit some shots, Danny hit some shots, Niang, et cetera. Like they, they could just like, overwhelm teams by competence is what I'm hoping for. I don't know whether you're going to say this is bullshit or not. I look, I, I, I don't agree with you that they don't need him to score. I don't agree with that, but let, let's put I mean, that not, aside. I'm not saying zero, but I'm not I saying, know, is, I, I don't think he needs to get like 35. That's what I'm saying. Put that aside for a second. Sure. I don't think he like, also, he is a great passer and sees the floor in a way that maybe, you know, it's is top 1% of all NBA players of all time, maybe 1% of 1%. But he does not seem to bring sort of like a uh, a floor general almost, you know, uh, taking hold of the game the way that even a, a player who isn't a scorer, who's just a point guard, does at the end of games. Like, I just... I, I guess I just don't see him coming down the court and saying, you, 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 you. Maybe this is just something I'm watching, but he's, I'm just like, I'm I'm just being honest. Like, I'm just incredibly disappointed in how he looks. And, uh, and maybe I should have listened to the voices outside. And he has been, he is skilled enough to where he can be like effective at his, his level. But I'm just... I'm just not buying it in the playoffs that he can only be this. He's he's going, there's going to be a game or two games or three games or four games or five games where he's going to have to just bust the other team's ass. And I don't, I just don't see it happening, I guess. He get really hot, I guess, in a game, but I just don't see him busting anybody's ass. I don't see him coming down and finding the the mismatch and obliterating it. I'm just, I'm a little worried, man. I'm a little worried. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong to be. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong to be. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm predisposed to be, to be optimistic about this kind of thing. Yep. I'm predisposed to think, like, these kinds of players have another gear um, that they're saving for the playoffs. Um, 
I think Harden's uh, on grift mode will be potentially problematic um, when those calls stop stop getting called. But I think that the Sixers have enough supplemental stuff to to overcome it because of how good Embiid is. Like he gets so many n ones. He had like three or four n ones tonight. And just like fighting through shit, it's amazing. The Hornets broadcast noted how much that, how much he does that is incredible. He's he's just unbelievable. I thought his, I thought Embiid's passing was great tonight. Um, he's un, he's unreal. He's unbelievable. The the baseline whip pass to Niang for the three. He had a nice Matisse for like little like interior pass. That was great. Um, they still occasionally like turn the ball over way too much and get loose with it, of course. But like you see, you start to see flashes of of really what when when they're playing like efficient complete basketball like how good this team can look and how good Embiid is making them look um but yeah I mean the Harden stuff yes absolutely yes I'm not I, I I'm not here to say like he looks he looks perfect and I'm 100% confident in him transforming his game taking his game to a 2017 level whatever it is um but I'm encouraged by by enough to feel like I just believe in Joel. Joel's never had a teammate like Harden. Harden's never had a teammate like Joel. They've never had a guy like Maxi to like just hit the burners on somebody. I think that there's just enough stuff where if they can like, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think, like, maybe maybe I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm internalized like not caring about the regular season too much because I, I <laughs> there are areas of concern, but I'm just like, well, that won't matter by the playoffs because by the playoffs they'll be better, and I will only be happy about it. But. Um, well, I, I wanna, if if you're if people are concerned, I understand. I feel like there's a good chance of the Sixers having the best and and possibly top two players in most series that they're in. And I'm excited to see what that really looks like at its height because you also figure out like they haven't been together that long. Like I know it's they look good early on and then they struggle a little bit and then they're like piecing it together and it's weird when they start games like in transition and pushing it and looking good. And then they just like slow it down and they look like nothing's going on. And Danny tries to dribble. He really, Danny really thinks he can dribble, man. He's so sure he can dribble. So, so he knows he's like, I'm a great dribbler. That's what they pay me for <laughs> is to do the dribble. He tried to behind the back, step back three, the ball barely landed in the paint. Come on, man. Um, uh, there's definitely things to be, to be concerned about, but I, I, I still, I think talent will win out, and in the playoffs, uh, we're probably going to have the most talented players. <laughs> George Niang's their best shooter, so uh, <laughs> he's a good shooter. I, I yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, one quick MVP thing, and then Doc Rivers right after. Uh, Mortgage CS is a new sponsor of ours. MortgageCS.com slash Ricky. Take it from me, as someone who has bought a home now twice. When when you are when you need to get a mortgage, you need a mortgage broker who is A, always available, and B, trustworthy, and C, has your best interests in mind. And that's what Mortgage CS is. I would tell you right now, if you're in the process of buying a home, until you sign right on the dotted line with your mortgage broker or your lender, you can go to Mortgage CS and just get a second opinion. So if you're in the process right now, I would tell you, go to MortgageCS.com slash Ricky. They don't even, they want to be able to help you get a mortgage, but really what they want to do is inform you. They want to make sure that you're educated and they want you to feel good. They want you to know that you can go to them at any time. You can text or call their CEO, Ben, at any time, 267-391-7425, 267-391-7425. Several of our listeners have done that already. All of them have been pleased and I like the idea that you can bother them at, at any time. Two six seven three nine one seven four two five. Look, they are independent, they are small, and they are local. And what that means is they are not pulled into any bank. They are not overextended in how much they spend on advertising. So they make got to make it up with you. You know, they're not going to take your information and sell it to some bank or give it to some lender. They are there for you. And that's what they've built their business on. Go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. It's not just about the rate. It's about the experience. And that's what Mortgage CS is for. As I said, even if you've already started, even if you need to refinance, even if you need debt consolidation, Mortgage CS is where you go. Go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky to schedule a phone or a Zoom or call or text their CEO, Ben, at any time, 267-391-7425 and mention the Ricky 
when you call or email or text. Again, mortgagecs.com slash Ricky or their CEO, Ben, at 267-391-7425. And by the way, if you go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky, see all the cool drawings they did. They, they went all in on the Ricky. It's a great like little microsite too. This advertisement, not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker and arranges loans with third-party providers and does not make any mortgage loan commitments or fund any mortgage loans. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions apply. This information is presented for informational purposes by Rates for Us, LLC, DBS, Mortgage CS, Company NMLS 1464766, licensed by the PA Department of Banking and New Jersey Department of Banking and Insurance. Visit Mortgage CS com for more information. Ben Stucker, NMLS ID number 168345. Last thing I'll say about MVP is I don't know who people are going to vote for. I'm not saying for sure. What I'm saying is that Joel Embiid is not not the most valuable player in, in the NBA. Like there's no way that you could argue that he isn't as valuable as to this team as any team as any player in the NBA. And when you take the whole of the season pre and post Harden, this team would win what? 26 games without Joel Embiid. Like they're, they're definitely not a 500 team without Embiid. They're a a disaster without Embiid. And this, he, he was Herculean last year and, but he's been even better this year. And he just like, for a guy who we never thought would be healthy, couldn't stay healthy at this point in the season, the second night of a back to back, just fucking obliterating a team is amazing. And uh, I hope he wins MVP. I don't think he's going to at this point, but I hope he does because I think he's the most valuable. Yeah, man. I, I So I agree with that. I, and that's why I think that in a year where Giannis is like hands down the best player and nobody else can hold a candle to him, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. He also has good teammates. But like people saying like, well, we're not, why would we hold the fact that they have good teammates against them? It's like, well, if they have good teammates, then they don't need to be as good as they are. And if they finish in the top three of their conference, even though their teammates are like not that good, the way that Jokic's and Embiid's are, or especially were prior to the trade, then it's more impressive that they are carrying their team to a to a top three finish in their conference, which is why I don't think as good as Giannis is, and he's very, very good. Obviously, he's very, very good. He won two MVPs already. What you would argue is their record should be better. Is that if, if you do you know what I mean? Like if you're saying that, but that's, you don't I mean, want to that, discount that they have good teammates, but if they have good teammates, then they should be, you know. No, honestly, no. I think like if they, if, if their teammates are too good, if you have an, another MVP candidate on your roster, which is why I think, unless Harden takes a really big step back, like this is the only year that Embiid could win. MVP, not that like Chris Middleton. <laughs> you're worried about Harden being an MVP candidate? Jesus Christ, I hope. Yeah, I mean, he's going to take a step. He's he's still like one of the top twenty players. He's won MVPs before. He's not like it's yeah. you know. Um, but you but you look at it and like that's why like Jokic without Jamal Murray, and I'm not going to say Michael Porter Jr. because Michael Porter Jr. is not very good, um, or is not as good as people to say he is. Um, without Jamal Murray, and then being still a good team is very impressive. That's why Jokic should be absolutely considered. And 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 with Giannis, it's like you have two excellent elite teammates all season long. Like he, he's very good, but I just don't think that he needs to get a third MVP when there are two other like very, very deserving candidates. Um, and Embiid's team for, for a lot of the year fucking sucked. Like the Sixers should not have had, like if Maxi hadn't made like the craziest like leap of a second year player drafted in the twenties, like they'd be, they would have been even with Embiid being this good, they would have been like 41 wins. It's, it's, Embiid has carried this team to, first of all, like above a flailing disaster and a PR nightmare on every level um, to be close to a contender. And now that now that Harden's here, like a possible at least giving themselves a chance to to make some noise in the playoffs. But to me, it's to me, it's it's between Jokic and Embiid. I understand people say that it was like it's like kind of loser shit saying that like you should give it to Embiid because he hasn't had it yet. And I understand that that's right. Maybe I'm like a kindergarten teacher they a little bit. They do that bit. all the time though. They do that all the time. It's part of the, it's part of the MVP like thing is yeah. to give it to the guy who deserves it that year. It's like, they're we'll all give it to the guy who deserves it that year because other guys, if yeah. it's a toss up, which it is, you just give it, it's just like, be nice. 
You know, yeah. sometimes That's I can nice. just be, sometimes you can just be nice and we can give a 10 bead and Nuggets fans can be like, Hey, Jokic won an MVP that time. That was cool. Bucks yeah. fans can be like, Giannis won too. And, and a finals MVP that rules. And like the Sixers fans can be like, we have this MVP and whatever playoff disappointment that's about to befall us, at least we have Embiid's MVP and that's <laughs> yeah. nice. So like, let's be a little bit nice. Just grow the fuck up and be a little. Grow nice. the fuck up and be the slightly, the slightest bit fair. Yeah, just come on. Like, what do you? What's the Everybody gets having- their own little <laughs> chocolate bar, and this is we get. Everybody gets one, and it's even. This is Mike's kindergarten class. So, look, I don't know how many times we could talk about Doc going to DeAndre Jordan. The thing that I thought was particularly funny about this tonight is that they don't really have a backup center, the Cavs. So they're playing Kevin Love as backup center, yeah. which makes the use of DeAndre Jordan even more egregious because if you can, if you think he can do anything on defense, it's stand around the rim and just like be big and jump. But when Kevin Love is standing on the perimeter, just fucking draining threes. Totally. Just like, what the fuck is it? Like, why does he hate Paul Reed so much? Like, why does he fucking hate him? He must just fucking hate him. Paul Reed must be just such a fucking dipshit in practice or, or doc hates him. He just just, moves weird. I think they just looks at him and he's like something. uh, I don't, I don't trust it. I don't believe it. I don't trust it. And it's like Deandre gets blown by, by being in the the wrong spot. At least he's like, I don't know, standing upright. I don't, I don't know. Um, Doc just does this, and old coaches do this. This is what they do. They don't trust the young guy that they have, so they play the veteran over them. And then when that player is better later on in their career somewhere else, they go like, well, that's they learned from being benched by the worst player that I was playing over them. And like they convinced themselves that they were right, but they were wrong. And Doc did this with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, as Kevin O'Connor pointed out on Twitter when he started, yeah, I think it was Avery Bradley over him. Um, he does this. Like, DeAndre's not good. He's not good anymore. I, I like the idea of catching lobs, but it's not like Paul Reed and or Charles Bassey couldn't catch lobs. Um, yeah, I mean, the one tonight. thing that Embiid doesn't do, the one thing Embiid doesn't do on the defensive end is when there is a stretch, stretch five that is a legitimate stretch five, he will not run out on him. If it's a guard, he'll switch out onto a guard and and like lock into the defensive position and everything like he can he can absolutely do that but when it's a catch and shoot big that pulls him away from the rim quickly he just won't do it he'll just like wave at him and be pissed off that he has to do it which i get because he has so much responsibility on the defensive end so like it would be nice if there was a guy who could switch and run out to shooters and also recover Back at the rim, and that's—I mean—that's Paul Reed. Like it just—it just is Paul Reed, and he's not a perfect player by any means. But DeAndre can't do shit at any point, and he'll like—he has a couple of big blocks here and there. The lobs are nice, whatever. But I—you—you I, you really are just holding your breath for again, again. You're holding your breath without when Joel's not on the court because this team once again does not have a either not have a capable backup or a capable back plan for when Embiid's off the court because they insist on not going to the higher upside player. Daryl Morey sat on this podcast knowing that we're going to sign DeAndre Jordan. Totally. And he fucking sucks. He sucks. The poor guy just, he just has nothing left. No. He just, the poor guy just has fucking nothing left. So no. the Sixers, the rest of the Sixers schedule looks like this with, um, what do we have, four games left? Is that what we have? Uh, rest of the Sixers schedule looks like Man, this is where we could really use CJ. Just come in and tell us what the last four games are. Okay, here we go. And this is we why get, people put his name on the email. Yeah. <laughs> we have Indiana on Tuesday, the Raptors on Thursday, then Indiana again for the 16th time this season on Saturday. And then we end it with the 14th game against the Pistons on Sunday. Yeah. And then uh, and then the play-in tournament. And then uh, and then the, the Sixers, well, the NBA playoffs post-play-in tournament start on the Should 16th. be several wins. Like this, winning this back-to-back against two playoff-level teams, the Hornets have been really good for the better part of the last month or so. Um and the Cavs, even though they're down a bunch of guys, are still a good team because Garland is incredible. Um, it it should be easy. It should be a coast. Oh, yeah. This should sure be when be. they should try shit. This should be when they like should be really try easy. out like, okay, let's see what the second unit can look like. Let's see if what Maxi doing more of the offense looks like. 
which we obviously saw of more of the season, but like with Harden on the court and him like more being a distributor, like those kinds of stuff. Like it, we, the Pacers haven't been trying in a long time. The Pistons are feisty, but also benching guys who are too good. Um, it should not, it should be like, this is a nice proving ground. We should get him beat some rest here and there. He's going to have a week off between the end of the season and, and when the first round starts during the play in tournament week. But you you just the less wear and tear and the more time that he doesn't, you know, turn an ankle, which he did a couple times tonight, the the better. A couple more plays to call out from just tonight. A couple just plays. Mm-hmm. The Matisse steal on the inbounds at the end was great. Was crazy. I was love crazy. that shit. Yep. I love when he jumps it and he's long and and like Kevin Love's an excellent passer and he beat he beat Matisse a couple times on on a backdoor uh, pass. I think it was to Levert, and it was just really like. Matisse making that play on, on that ball at that point in the game is huge, and that's why he's here. Uh, and it was a nice pass to Tobias to ice it. Um, the Embiid touch pass to Harden was sick. On through, it was just absolutely ridiculous. That's I love when you occasionally see the like volleyball in him, mm-hmm. and that was definitely just like a. It wasn't something he thought of. Just it's sort of just like a natural reaction. Like, well, I can do this, and everyone looks at him like, no one's ever done that in a basketball court before. Uh, pretty wild. Um, and man, Joel just like sucking the life out of defenses, just ripping their hearts out over and over again for end of shot clock threes. Like you think, all right, we got him down. He's got the ball 20 feet away from the basket. He's not going to do anything with it. We're probably good. All of a sudden a seven foot two guy is taking a step back three as the shot clock winds down and he does it regularly. That is, I would say he probably shoots better on those threes step back with the shot clock, shot clock winding down than he does on just like you have 20 yes. feet of space and it's off the cash and you've got all the time you need. It's definitely, I feel like pretty confident that he shoots better from that. Um, and there was, and it was nice. There, there was a Tobias drive where he beat his man off the dribble. Um, he drew the big uh, to contest the shot. Tobias missed the layup on the, with the contest, but Embiid now had no one to box him out. And it was just an Embiid tip slam. And it's like, how often do you see Embiid have to come over and help on drives where the other team gets an easy tip slam out of it? Um, and it's good to see Embiid get those kind of nice. And it's just like those kinds of like beat your man off the dribble, get a ball on the rim, draw the big man over. Like that kind of stuff is, is so huge. And for to get Joel easy buckets and for him to just be like, hey, I'm the biggest guy on the court and I have incredible touch. Like I love seeing that shit. And I just love generally seeing Maxi turn the corner. I just want to say it all the time. He's he's got his speed and grace and versatility with the ball in his hands is 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 really cool. And even though he missed a shot at the end of the half, like it was cool to see him like have a little change of speed. Like I, I'm seeing growth there that I've been asking for, like of him like diversifying his ball handling ability. Um because the speed is always going to be there, showing me a little change of pace and I'm seeing it and I can't wait for him to continue improving next year. Okay. Two wins, right. I'll take him. We're going to get to a, a legal issue in a second, which means it's a good time to talk about our sponsor, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Now, Cornblow only takes legitimate cases, which the next one we'll talk about. I'm not sure if it is. Cornblow and Cornblow has been the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley for like 40 years. I have never met somebody who cares as much about anything as Adam Kornblau does about getting you your correct and deserved result from a personal injury case. He, he like fucking loves it. It's like through his, in his blood, it's in his veins. He and his mom run the agency now. The law firm was started by his parents and now he has taken it over. He, uh, he just, he has a passion for it. And these cases can take a mighty long time and they can be really complicated and you need somebody you truly trust by your side. And Adam Kornblau is that. And if you need legal advice for anything, he's our guy. He's the Ricky's guy. So he is your guy. I a hundred percent believe that he has, we've gotten so many emails, probably more emails than we have about personal injury about like, you know, I had a bad landlord or, you know, this guy owed me money and I didn't get anything from him. Kornblau is there for all of your legal needs. Any sort of personal injury, like I said, though, medical malpractice, uh, injured at work, slip and fall, all that kind of stuff. He's your guy. He's going to lead you through the process of your personal injury lawsuit. If you think you might have a case, give him a call or shoot him an email. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email Cornblow at cornblowandcornblow.com. K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Ben Simmons, 
has officially filed his $20 million grievance against the Philadelphia 76ers to get the money back that was withheld from him as he did not play. I think we can agree that we neither of us cares very much who gets the money. Uh, like, I don't need the Sixers to get the money, right? I mean, we're on the same side in that, I would, I would imagine. I just, I think it's probably bad for the league if he gets it back. Um, because I, one thing I, I do believe is true is I don't believe that the Sixers were not sensitive to an issue he had going on and didn't give him the ability to rehab from that issue and, and those sorts of things. So I don't, I don't think that's what happened. I just don't think he wanted to play here and you don't get to just not play and also get paid. And I think it would be probably bad for future situations if he were to get the money back. But uh, I don't give a fuck if the Sixers have it. I hope if they get it back, they donate it or something. You you would have to open new coffee shop in the metaverse to hold the the Lack I'm, I'm mixing metaphors here as always, but like the how little I give a shit about who gets this money. It's so incredible. I could I care about and legitimately George Niang's flossing routine more than who gets this money? This is a not. This is the least amount of an issue it's for me not. and my health. And if anyone does care about it, then like you work for the Sixers or you work for Ben Simmons. To me, it is like I understand why it's a story, obviously, but like fuck everybody. <laughs> Just don't give a shit whatsoever. I hope they set the money on fire. People reminded me on Twitter that I, I had a bit about like a baby judge um, mm. d- determining all these cases. And I, d- I don't remember what I said about it. Um, so It'd be great to have a, a baby judge, though. Yeah, if there was a baby judge, I would I would I would care how the baby rules. But then I would just want to go follow the baby and see what their life is like regularly and mm. how they became a judge and how they rule in other cases and. Yeah. Do you think um, so the baby would but, get a baby size gown or would he ha- or the baby have to deal with like an adult size gown because they're not prepared for a baby to be the judge? That's a great question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that I would want to see a baby in an adult size gown. <laughs> That's and the then I would, answer. and then I would want someone that works at the court, some clerk, like rushing to like make a baby baby gown for them, like as quickly <laughs> as possible. So like by I was about to say by halftime in the case, which obviously doesn't mean anything. But yeah. like, hey, we got you one. We got we got it. Here it is. But no, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't give a shit. I hope that they lose. I hope somebody just loses the money. They're like, fuck. <laughs> we just we lost it. It's gone. <laughs> Whoops. Oh boy, someone's gonna be upset. But it's not gonna be me because I don't <laughs> give a shit about this whatsoever. Be gone. Out of here. Okay. We got an email begging us saying that it was it was a an urgent relationship problem. This is not even a joke. Urgent relationship problem. Would really like to hear our um, our uh, our opinions on this. And we haven't done relationship advice in a while, so uh, relationship advice time. Our relationship advice theme song comes from Eliza Hardy-Jones. The Ricky Zone, Eliza Hardy-Jones. Here's the email. I am in my, comes from Ms. Anonymous. I'm in my early 30s and live in Philadelphia. For the last few years, my guy friend and I have hung out multiple times per week, and I thought there was at least a chance it would go past the friendship stage, but we are very good friends. I'm take, I'm talking hanging out three times per week, friends with his parents and hung out with them without him, dinner with him and his family, slept over his place multiple times. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he told me that he was going to Portland for a few weeks to meet up with his girlfriend and then they would be moving in together in Chicago. Mm. I had no idea he was talking to someone, let alone had a long-term girlfriend. Putting aside the fact that we could move past the point of just friendship, we were very good friends, and he didn't tell me he had a girlfriend until a couple of weeks ago when he was going to go to Portland and move to Chicago together. He doesn't understand why I'm upset with him. 
I asked him if he could meet up before he went to Portland to talk about why I'm upset, but he said he doesn't have time and he doesn't understand why I'm upset. And I'm hoping you can give your perspective on this. If you, if you think I'm overreacting or what your thoughts are as he is a diehard Ricky fan. <laughs> and I'm hoping he'll hear you guys talk about this and give there's some third party perspective. I didn't get to that part in there. Well, Hey buddy. Hey buddy. Um, now I'm especially happy to say that this guy is a total loser. You can't like he absolutely knows what he's doing. It's way better when we get uh, non-male listeners reaching out because then I can just like totally shit on the guy. It's so much more comfortable for me to do. Um, yeah, he's obviously like stringing you along and like wants to do the once like have like the idea of a girlfriend nearby and just like you know milk you for all the emotional. Uh, anything I say sounds gross. Like emo- uh, any emotional like status he gets and the feel good he gets from being around you. But then he can be like, oh, okay, I can. But like the other girl is like who I'm with, and so I can like have this around as sort of like a nice like emotional play thing. Like it's pretty disgusting. Um, so yeah, the guy definitely knows what he's doing, and he's probably done this to several girls. Wow, I. I did- <laughs> I was with you until the very end there. For I, sure. He. Some people just like love fucking with, fucking with them. Well, like okay. some people love it. Like if, if people that listen, people that watch summer house, like Luke on summer house is exactly this guy. Like, uh, rough, I, rough, I do, rough character for men. Don't be this. I don't think, um, look, I don't think you're overreacting. I think no, you're reacting not. properly, but I do think you need to let it go because he has shown you everything without telling you, because there's nothing that, that he's going to say that is going to make this any better. He has shown you everything. Maybe you want him to just fucking step up and, and admit that he lied or he, he wasn't honest or any of those things. And I, I, I know that that would feel better, but, but fucking chasing him until he does it is not going to make you feel better. You're only going to feel more frustrated. But I, the the only the only thing that I would add on top of this is that you were both sort of kidding yourselves during this. Is that like it just seems to me that when when you feel that way when you're and because it can happen the other way as well. It can it can happen both sides when you when one person is waiting for it to happen and it's not happening is like you're both grown ups. You're in your thirties, like. I don't know if, if you have a friend, uh, uh, if you're a female and you have a male friend and you're heterosexual and you're like best buds and you're hanging out all the time and staying over his house and you're hoping something's happening and it doesn't happen, like he doesn't want it to happen. Like that would be my, my answer there is that a long way of saying what you were saying is like, he was just using you for the stability of a girlfriend That's without, it. without the, um, uh, without the responsibility of a girlfriend, I would, the, the only credit I would give him is at least he didn't like, at least he didn't take that step and make anything happen and, and make it even worse. But I just let him fucking go. Just let it go. It's just like, he had a girlfriend the whole time. He's moving to Chicago. Like what the That's fuck rough. is that? That's rough. We don't like it. Yeah. It's not. Great. And if you're this guy and you're listening or watching live, if you said yo in the chat and you're one of these guys, mm. then stop it. Stop yeah. doing that. You know what I would do? If you're listening, here's what I want you to do. Because honesty. What, Just know that things- you're like the bad guy in like every <laughs> romantic comedy. Like, and you feel that and internalize that. One of the things that I think is underused in life is just this simple Admission that you were wrong. Apologize. Say, I'm sorry I was wrong. Because once that happens, there's not a lot of conflict afterwards because you've sort of ended that part of it. What you should do if you are listening, if you're a big Ricky, I I want to level with this guy. I want to talk to this guy. I want to make you not the bad guy for a second guy. It's like, I, I get what you were doing. I understand is like you're a little insecure and you didn't know if the thing with your Portland, Portland girlfriend was going to work out. So you had this emotional hedge. It's not the most healthy thing in the world, but you know, it happens. You owe her a call, you know, or maybe if you don't want to do it in person, that's fine. You owe her 
honesty and a call and why you did what you did. And she may hate you forever, but she's probably going to hate you forever anyway. So at least you would have been honest at the end of it. My and advice, Portland girl should be pissed off too, by the way. Oh, well, the Portland girl, can you imagine if she found out that there's no way she knows about her. There's no way she knows about the emailer. There's no way the Portland girl knows. That, Every time that, that they're, that they've hung out, it's been like, that there's probably a lie about how many other people are there also. There's like, oh yeah, it was awesome in this one. And you bury, you bury it in like the three out of five names. You're like, oh, and like she was there and like this other guy. And it was, it was just fun. Yeah. But it's like, mm, no, bad. Change. Be different. Hmm. <sighs> Very sad for you, but it's time to move on now. The hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week comes from RWDS. Guys, this is what Doc said a few days ago. We had a good talk today, James and I. He's trying to fit in and get guys going, and this is what I told him. No, thank you. I said, you're going you're gonna to get going, and we'll figure it out. We just need you to be you. Don't worry about everyone else. As long as you and Joel are in the right spots, we'll figure out everyone else. But we need you to think of yourself as a scorer, not the way you played in Brooklyn, where you were a point guard trying to run the team. Um. Well, I hope Doc didn't say that to him because it does not seem like Harden has that in him right now. So, was like, that just like fan fiction? Was that what that was? No, Here's I what he should say. And he says this long thing. And then at the end, you kiss him on the <laughs> just the tip of his nose. And you guys move to Chicago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our final sponsor before we get to the mailbag. Great mailbag tonight. Speaking of relationship advice is one L.L. Pavorsky. What do you think L.L.? of L.L. Pavorsky drillers would say to the, 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 um, our, our listener who wrote in. L.L. would say, have the conversation and buy rings for, for both of them. <laughs> Everyone buy a ring. We got rings. We got so great deals rings. on rings. And I'm sorry, ring. Uh, yeah, any of it. A move to Chicago from Portland ring. You need those. Those are becoming very popular. Yeah. <laughs> I thank you, by the way, to LL. LL donated. I'm doing the uh, walk for pause for the Brandywine Valley SPCA. And anytime I post any charity thing I'm doing, LL donates. I think LL accidentally donated twice. I, there's, he, he had the, the same message the both times. So thank you for the two donations of $100 each, LL. LL was the first sponsor. <laughs> Go ahead. Ripping off this poor, this poor... <laughs> Nice adult that just made a mistake <laughs> and hit enter twice. Is that my Disgusting. fault? I didn't run the credit card. Mm. Ella, <laughs> Ella Fomorski Jewelers is the first sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Some would say the only sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Believed in us more than we believed in ourselves back in the day. And here we are, years later, more than 260 Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL. And very soon, one listener will purchase an a, a ring for a girlfriend who is moving from Portland to Chicago. Very soon. You never know. Um, if you want an engagement ring from LL, you can't go anywhere else. You cannot go anywhere else. 215-627-2252. Make an appointment or email him, lee at llpavorsky.com or tweet at him at llpavorsky. Not only did he support my uh, Brandywine Valley Walk for Pause thing, but he's also a supporter of our regular charities, Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, buy one, get one, 50% off engagement rings. If the first one doesn't work, there's always a girl in Portland. <laughs> this comes from Mark. Writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Remember to send us one basketball, one non-basketball question. Before we get to your, after this mailbag question, we will get to your prediction, hopefully, for the NCAA uh, finals, which are Monday night. Question for Mike. Why do college basketball players look so much more frenetic than NBA players? I get that they're generally less coordinated than their NBA counterparts, but it feels like it doesn't really account for it entirely. College basketball players are always moving and not really for any purpose, it seems. Sometimes they just seem to be moving their limbs around like crazy for no reason. They never really seem to get set. They just constantly move around like one of those toys for children that pops the balls around randomly when you push it. Is there a good reason for this or is it just one of those things that has no explanation? Yeah, well, I think I, there definitely is a much more frenetic nature to most college games. Um, and I think part of it is because the games are shorter and so you feel, and the shot clock is longer. So like they feel like every possession matters more because the games are like, you know, a lot of games are decided in the 60s and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I would say 
they just don't like, it's hard to, to be that athletic and compose with the basketball at the same time. Like the college, most college players like have the athleticism, but they don't have like the height or the like poise. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see college guys that do have that, like you, Paolo Banchero, who is on Duke, um, is probably gonna be a top three pick. Like he plays with such a poise to him. Jabari Smith, same thing. Obviously, like guys like Luca and stuff. You see the guys when you're like, wow, that that person just like looks like they are in control. And I think in the college level, a lot of them just like aren't because they're they're not there yet. I, I notice it on defense more. It feels like they're always like just fucking, you know, like ah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's yeah. also like the coaches, you know, all these like little empire coaches that yeah. like get to be in charge of their little fiefdoms. Um, so they just they want. I think they just like energy to to sort of pointless energy sometimes. So the final game. Let me bring up the the line. I have not seen it. The, Let me guess it. Uh, Duke, okay. Kansas, or uh, UNC, Kansas. Yep. I would guess it's Kansas four and a half. Four. Kansas minus four. Nice. So can you give us your pick? I know it's early. Um, Maybe you have a day to think about it. I don't know. Can we? You get the early pick on the pod for the the sure. Yeah. Well, I've I did this is I I did win some money off of this championship uh, Mm. pairing, which feels nice. Um, uh, so Kansas is deeper for sure. Um, but they're a pretty one to one matchup, like athletically. Caleb Love has just been hitting shots, man. He's been hitting shots left and right for UNC. Kansas hasn't honestly been as good over the course of the tournament. They've just sort of like gotten gotten by each time and won, which is you know impressive. But they haven't done a ton of like convincing wins, I would say. Um, but I think a little bit like UNC went all in on the uh, in the Duke game, and that was their win. And I think Kansas will just be a little bit more like a little bit more composed. Um, and I think UNC's luck's going to probably run out. So I'll say, I'll say Kansas and I'll say they'll probably cover too. There you go. There's the pick non-basketball question. Can you describe a time in your life when order in order to save a relationship with someone you cared about, you knew you were going to have to apologize, even though you didn't feel responsible for a rift. What did you decide to do? I mean, relationship in the broadest possible sense could be friend, girlfriend, wife, family member, coworker, et cetera. I, uh, I don't, I don't know if I could describe a time, but what I would tell you is this, is that no one wins an argument ever. Even if you're on the right side of it and the other person is wrong, they end up just being mad at you that you're right. You might as well just apologize and say that you're wrong because then you, at least you get the sympathy and you get the points for having apologized. I've done it a bazillion times. I, 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 so many, I can't even count. Yeah, I mean, I think it just determines of like, at what point do you want to preserve whatever relationship it is? Because if you don't, then yeah, that is a good realization fun. to have yeah. and be like, yeah. this is over. Um, I'm sure I've had to do it at work when I'm like, I think that I think that they're wrong, but I will say it's my bad anyway. This comes from Lance. Every game, I feel like I'm a father watching a team of six-year-olds playing kids basketball. I'm just proud that they're learning how to play basketball. <laughs> You know it's going to be ugly. If they're leading, you're amazed, but you know it won't be for long. You're amazed they're hanging with a good team, but you know it's an anomaly. Your best guard has an amazing dribble for a six-year-old, but you know his happy dribbling ass will turn it over when the pressure is on. Mm. Most wins you're joyful because you know the season isn't going to end well. Hopeful, but scared. So many guys on the Sixers over the last decade couldn't be described as his happy dribbling ass. (laughs) <laughs> not basketball that wasn't even a question more important to teach someone how to drive in traffic or on a highway i'm teaching my 15 year old how to drive i would say hmm i would I say like, traffic i feel like both probably well both obviously but if you had to pick one why would i would have to well why would you have to pick one well for <laughs> a first one let's say a first one well which one would you teach him first um Probably highway. Mm, really? I think. Because then you could be like, you want to maintain a speed. Yeah. And then you want to be able to like bend and get off on your exit and everything. And then traffic is just like mostly relax. 
that's not not really a, a, a steep lesson. Yeah, it, it seems like a weird question to ask us. I'll just say traffic to be different. If you had to lift up your left hand or your right hand, like which one would you do? You have to just want, but you have to do just one. Do, do you know what the email didn't say? How did she get the information that he was going to Portland to see his girlfriend and he's moving to Chicago? It sounds fake. Did he say it on the phone? Did he text I think I think her? she said he said it on the phone. Oh, okay. I would just be so stunned. Yeah, that's Maybe, a maybe he's lying. Maybe he's lying. This comes from Adam, final email, basketball question. Do we think LeBron is on the Lakers next year? Do we want LeBron on the Sixers? The window to win a chip always closes quicker than we think. I sway back and forth if LeBron would leave, but there's no hope for him in LA. And if he's real about getting one or two last rings, the Sixers make a lot of sense. Here we are again. Maxi is a clutch guy and would be no. the main piece of the puzzle. No, I'm not trading Maxi for old, old LeBron. No, he's, who's no, he's, leave. he's saying... Oh, main piece of the puzzle along with moving to bias. It might just be that simple. I'm not even 100% I want him here. I don't want any part of LeBron at this point. I, know, I didn't even want any part of LeBron four years ago. No, you didn't. I did want him then. I, I think it would have been probably better than what happened here over those times. But uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no thanks. Beat it. Non-basketball question, which celebrity would you most like to slap in public and why? I think mine would be Vin Diesel. He just seems like an asshole who treats other people poorly. I'm scared of getting beat I don't know up. If that's I, don't right. to, I don't want to slap anybody. Um, who do I want to slap in public? Celebrity. <sighs> Anytime I say anything... I oh, like boy. end up immediately working with that person. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. But I will say about the Will Smith thing, not to be long about it because everybody's talking about it and everyone's opinion is probably wrong. It was just a wildly, a wild thing to happen. Yes. And it can just be that. It can we, just be like the whole thing was wild. Dude. For like if it happened backstage, then it's like, I get it. But to just calmly walk up there, <laughs> do it, say nothing, walk back down, sit down. That's wild. It was a wild experience. I was in Hawaii when people started texting about it. So I'm like fucking pulling up my shit. Like in the hotel room to be like, what is going on? Obviously your initial thing is like, this is fake. Cause it's a fucking award show. Cause you would assume that like this would never happen for real between these two people that are so famous and have been famous for so long. And it's just like, it's just wild. It was a wild thing to happen and anybody like trying to do any like big here's i'm proving a point and this is why the world should be the way i see it like it's not that serious it can just be like this was a wild thing to happen and like how odd it is that we got to all see it and everybody's I, fine we were I recorded a carl andrew record club with mutlo earlier and i had the same exact opinion in that i was so disappointed that the takes got so takey right away because I just wanted to bask in how fucking wild it was. Like, I, I just wanted to sit in the world. I, I didn't see it live. I woke up the next morning to a text from Elliot Shore Parks with a tweet from Stephen A. Smith about how wrong Will Smith was. And just imagine, like, laying on the floor at 4 a.m., doing back stretches and seeing it. And I just went over to my couch and just watched it over and over and over again. It was yeah. at the Oscars. He's Truly. Will Smith is one of the most, like one of the f five most famous people in America. One ten, I. A surreal, a surreal situation, and yeah, I mean, like, yes, there were so many bad takes, but that's the thing about the internet is like yeah. everybody has access to it, and so it that means everybody it. with all their stupidity and bad takes, like they just got it, and you just have to like, you got to be able to dodge that shit, and be like, I'm enjoying this, and I'm ignoring the people that are taking it to like a really, really deeply pointless place. Yeah, I just, it was, we will never be able, I worked in rock radio for a long time and I worked there so long that we played these great songs. I played them so much that they just became wallpaper to me. 
And after I lost my job at WYSP, I didn't listen to those songs for like a long time. And four years later, I heard some Nirvana song that I hadn't heard in like four years, a song that I'd heard every day for 10 years up until that point. And it hit me the first, like the first time that I had heard it and I realized how great it was. I hope that at some point in the future, I'll see that slap again. Oh yeah. And it will hit me like the first time that I for saw it. Sure. Yeah. For sure. There's been, and there's been a decent amount of those moments where I remember like for a long time when I was like, when you're a kid and you're like into a teenager in college, like things, things happened in the past and you're like, wow, what must it have been like right. to like have seen that like live? And it feels like over the last like five, 10 years, there's been so many of those kinds of moments. Like even like the La La Land moment live was, was wild. The Adelta Zim moment. <laughs> there's a bunch of great ones on, on like those kinds of like really stupid award shows. Um, but like you just appreciate that humans are weird. And there are a whole bunch of them. And uh, we get to enjoy other people like doing weird shit to each other sometimes. Like <laughs> a, a great question from Eddie on YouTube. Does this count as a Sixers crazy thing? Because sure. Will Smith is my I'll take it. Sixers. I don't know. But <laughs> yes. yeah, add yes. it to the list. Add it to the list. All right. Four games left. Will we Smith will... forgot how to slap. That's, yeah. the, that's the Sixers spin on it. <laughs> We'll talk to you next time. Are you that with TTP? Yeah, you know. Click face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.